Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist. Today, we're talking about arranged marriages, arranged marriages versus love marriages or Western marriages. And uh, due to my Indian heritage, I am sure most of you are expecting a wealth of knowledge from me about this topic. But uh, look, I have a rudimentary understanding of uh, how it all works. My uh, my parents had an arranged marriage. One set of my grandparents had an arranged marriage. The other one had a love marriage. So uh, we're going to we're going to dive into that one and then potentially also talk about uh, in this day and age, what marriage means in the Western world and, and whether we could even learn from arranged marriages and, and, and look at the positives there and analyze the positives versus the negatives. Uh, but Eliza, first of all, how are you doing? I'm good. Same old. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm enjoying the, uh, the sunny weather. It's back. Uh, finally. Yeah. Any shows this weekend? Yeah, well, back last to weekend. <laughs> uh, uh, last weekend. Oh, well, we just had our Sydney show on uh, uh, a few days ago. And, and, and shout out to a, a couple that came that are big fans of the this podcast. Uh, one of them was in New Zealand and the other in Brisbane. And they did long distance for a while. And then the, oh, wow. the guy moved to Sydney. And so they're continuously driving back and forth. And she actually drove from Brisbane that day to, to Sydney and just made it in time for the show, which uh, starts at Oh, 7 my God. So, Teach me. How could you possibly go out? I can't even do it after two hours of driving. I'm like, no, I need to go home and sleep. <laughs> yeah, solid, solid effort. So yeah. shout out to them. And she actually just uh, listened to all 100 plus episodes in a matter of a few weeks to catch up. So Oh, bless. That's incredible, so sweet. <laughs> incredible effort there. Um, Good on it. Yeah, and uh, I'm in Newcastle again tomorrow. And uh, by the time this podcast goes out, we should have our Wollongong and Perth shows on sale. So if you're in those cities, come see us. And as always, we're, we're um, performing in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Western Sydney, uh, all across the country, basically. So... And yes, Adelaide, it's, it's, it'll happen soon. <laughs> Pretty interesting that we did Wollongong before Adelaide, <laughs> but uh, actually not surprising at all, to be yeah, perfectly honest. So enough. yeah, um, before, before we actually get into it, I brought up this, uh, a few statistics here about arranged marriages, and uh, I thought I might just share some of these. So these are some arranged marriage statistics. So 55% of marriages that happen across the globe today are arranged marriages, uh, in India, the rate of arranged marriage is 90%. In some countries, the man or the woman can reject the chosen spouse. Okay, I don't think that's a statistic. I think that's mm-hmm. just an observation. 6.3% is the divorce rate of arranged marriages globally. There are 26,250,000 arranged marriages annually. The man is typically 4.5 years older than the woman in, a, in an arranged marriage. of girls 15 years and below in Niger are involved in an arranged marriage. In South Asia, 48% of the girls who are involved in an arranged marriage are below 18 years of age. Mm. In 2012, 74% of respondents in a survey conducted in India approved of arranged marriage and prefer it over freely chosen marriage. Up to 80% of marriages in Afghanistan are forced. 86% of Indian population in the US are still marrying someone they've met in the country. And Indian definitely wrote these statistics because 86% of Indian population in the US, 86% of the Indian population in the US, 
as a little in joke um indians who've often moved to a western country if they haven't learned english properly they forget to use the um oh. but you know i i can't speak any of the indian languages so <laughs> probably on a on a high horse there uh in the developing world one out of nine girls are married before they reach the age of 15 uh every year 14 million girls get married before they turn 18 so actually mm. some uh some dark statistics there but mm. then again uh we're looking at it from a western lens so not to be too facetious but uh yeah. to be perfectly uh oh, uh yeah what do you think <laughs> uh what do you think of some of those statistics eliza just straight off the bat yeah, I think that I wasn't surprised to hear about the divorce rate. Um, and I do know that a lot of people kind of use that as a reason as to why it's such a beneficial thing. And I'm not denying that it's not beneficial and it's not great in its own way, arranged marriages. Um, but I also read a stat that said women are, I think it was like five times more likely. I don't know if I wrote it down how much more likely statistically, but they're much more likely to attempt to poison themselves than to insta instigate a divorce. Um, so suicide is considered less shameful than divorces in a lot of uh, countries, non-Western countries, where arranged marriages occur. So I think that was a kind of really eye-opening um, stat for me because I watched a thing on YouTube. It's by Jubilee and they did like a, you know how they have like the, people pro and people against and they come up and sit on the stools and talk about it. and there's one about um arranged marriages and it was really really interesting because both sides had such valid points but one thing that everyone agreed on was if i'm unhappy i will divorce my partner so i was like well great like <laughs> there you go they can all divorce them but then reading the actual st stats it's much unlikely that someone will actually instigate a divorce in an arranged marriage, so yeah, these, yeah. I mean, we're we're looking at millions, maybe even billions of uh, marriages mm. here across the globe. Yeah. So I'm sure there's a very uh, diverse range of exactly uh, how those arranged marriages manifest for the given couple. Uh, I will talk briefly about what an arranged marriage actually is, or at least my uh, understanding of it. But before we do that, let's. Uh, Give a quick shout out to our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Steady Freddy. Steady Freddy have a huge range of men's sexual health products. They are best known for their patented delay spray. So if you suffer from premature ejaculation, uh, get yourself the Steady Freddy delay spray. Give it a few whiffs on the old dong and uh, you'll last as long as you want to. Oh, well, you'll last longer. We'll say that. And it's uh, formulated by Dr. David Reiner. They also have condoms and uh, wipes and uh, ball boost tablets, which uh, from what I've heard, definitely increase the uh, quantity and or quality off your load. So uh, go to steadyfreddy.com, use the code sex sales, you get 15% off. And we're also sponsored by Crush Organics. That's Crush with a K. Uh, if you're stressed, if you struggle to sleep, get yourself some CBD oil from Crush Organics and you can use the code NEIL and you get 40% off for that one. They also have pain cream. They've got CBD oil for your pets. And if you haven't used it before, just start off with one or two drops. Make sure you don't have any underlying medical conditions. 
read all the labels, etc., all the common sense things, but uh, go to crushorganics.com. I can attest to the quality of their CBD oil. I've been using it for over a year now. Use the code NEIL and get 40% off. Okay, so a lot of people, I think, may still understand arranged marriages as it was represented on The Simpsons uh, a couple of decades ago, which, don't get me wrong, was very funny. Uh, even in India, there's a very uh, different, uh, compa- you know, when you go through each uh, caste and, and the caste system very briefly is basically a far more solidified version of class in India where uh, the, the, the Brahmins are the top class and then the Kshatriyas and then depending on which state you're in, there's other classes under that. I won't go into too much detail there, but basically all of those arranged marriages will generally happen within the same caste and they've done genetic studies and and found that uh, people from the same caste have remarkably similar genetics compared to people from other castes. And because there's been so much uh, intermarriages only within those castes, it's similar to say like the, uh, the Ashkenazi Jews or Jews that were situated in a particular part of Europe uh, because there was just, well, it was often just legally permitted to only marry within that religion or that caste. And as a result, you, you don't really have a diversification of the gene pool. Um, but uh, my parents actually were from two different castes, so shout Ooh. out to them there. But <laughs> oh, uh, scandal, yeah, yeah, scandalous, right? <laughs> um, so in the Simpsons, it's very funny. Don't get me wrong, but uh, basically, Apu marries Manjula, and they only see each other on the wedding day, and that's not mm-hmm. really what how it how no. it happens. Um, usually, nowadays, at least, at least in the more middle class and upper class areas of India, that they, they the parents, usually the mother acts as a matchmaker and uh the, look aunties they love this it's their pride and joy they love to sit there and act as the tinder for their yeah. you know their nieces their nephews whoever it may be and you find potential suitors and usually people would actually meet up and then then you actually it, it, you don't go through a long process of dating but you decide okay do i want to marry this person or not and then you get married but it's not this sort of forced uh, arranged marriage as the way it's depicted now in mm. rural areas in lower socioeconomic areas it, it that probably still does occur uh again my actual uh, breadth of knowledge on arranged marriages themselves is well limited particularly for someone with my heritage so maybe someone on the youtube comments can help me mm. out there a, li- a little bit but uh Essentially, you're not marrying based on love. You're marrying based on mm. shared values, shared religion, shared class and or caste. And uh, your parents are choosing the potential mates for you or your parents and extended family. Um, so my parents met in Hong Kong because my dad was in India. My mom was here in Australia. And so they uh, contacted people in India and then they, they met halfway in Hong Kong and uh, wow. decided to get married and they've been married ever since. So uh, my grandparents, was, my maternal grandparents were arranged as well. They were arranged from birth in the sense that like, you know, your second son will marry my third daughter, that yeah. kind of thing. But they stayed together for 60 years. And uh, my paternal grandparents, I they met at a friend's wedding. As far, I don't know a lot about them, but as far as I'm aware, they met at a friend's wedding and, and they actually had a love marriage in this would have been the fifties or something like that. So wow. yeah, very, yeah. Uh, very progressive for their time. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, my, my paternal grandmother kept working in the, in the fifties and sixties in India. So that's yeah. Wow. Trailblazer, I suppose. But, yeah. um, 
look, when you look at Western dating and marriages today, it's very easy to get on your high horse about arranged marriage as well. But then when you talk about the statistics that we just read, it's also very easy to get on your high horse about the supposed liber you know, liberalism, cultural liberalism associated with love marriages. And it wasn't that long ago in the Anglosphere and, and the Western world where marriages weren't actually based on love mm. anyway. If, you, if mm. you go back to the 1800s and before that, you often married you know, to pull resources together from a similar family, from a similar, definitely from a similar religion. And the, look, the pool for dating was a lot smaller anyway, because you often uh, were in small communities, uh, small rural communities. So love marriages as a concept are actually quite new, uh, generally yeah. speaking, throughout the world, really. So uh, this is all, there's a lot to unpack here, but... Um, it's interesting as well because I learned today that um, I, was, I was watching uh, Indian Matchmaker on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen it. It's no, so good. Just to jump in there, that's a really <laughs> yeah. good one to actually just, I mean, they glamorize it and, and it's yeah. for like very affluent uh, American Indians mm. there. So again, it's not necessarily uh, a, 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 an accurate description of what it would be like through all the socioeconomic classes yeah, of India, of but that is actually a good one to better understand um, the arranged marriages. Yeah, yeah I've heard a lot of reviews about it saying, aside from the class distinction, it's actually a really good representation of both sides, like the pros and cons you can see in it. And it's so interesting. Well, she says, um, and by she, I mean, there's one woman who is like known as the most famous matchmaker in India and she goes across the world. She travels to America. She does everything, goes everywhere, finding couples and matching them together. And she says, in India, it's not arranged marriage or love marriage. It's just marriage or love marriage. Um, so there's, we, they don't call it arranged marriage so much over there. It's more so for, you know, Western cultures to understand almost the tradition um, of it, which I thought was really interesting that they just, don't refer to it as that, but what was really um, unique about this Netflix show? I didn't watch all of it. I just watched like a couple of episodes, and I it was it was really entertaining. And you can see like a lot of young people in America as well are saying, you know, they've tried dating on their own and it's not working. So there is an appeal in having someone who is an expert and saying I can match someone specifically to your values, your religion, your economical status, all these things and have them all align. Um, there is an appeal in that. And they were saying like it's becoming increasingly popular again that people are seeking out arranged marriages because of that benefit. So I do think that that was a fascinating thing. And she also says as well, like it's not about a marriage between two people. It's a marriage between two families. <laughs> so yeah. I think that in like Western culture, like I, without, you know, really reflecting on it and being culturally aware that I would struggle with like, oh my gosh, but that is just such an, a, a unique, almost actually minority that I would have that reaction across the world compared to the rest of the world um, who are probably like, yes, it is between two families coming together and, and, and the resources and things like that. So uh, it's uh, it's confronting for a lot of people like around me, but to think that it's 50, was it 55 or 56% of all marriages are arranged marriages in the world? 
like more marriages are arranged than they are not, which I think is really, really interesting. And and look, if a social group or a family introduce you to someone and say, hey, I think this person will be a good fit, it's just one step below an arranged marriage anyway. It's not <laughs> necessarily this always this uh, esteemed, yeah. organised uh, ordeal where everyone gets together and, and the people have no say at all. That's yeah. not how it is. But, yeah, it, it really does differ across the whole, not just the country of India but the world and, and particularly through different castes and different areas. Yeah. It's, it's going to be vitally different. But I suppose focus more on the middle and upper class conception of arranged marriage mm-hmm. today and uh like i said previously um there's definitely positives and negatives there i mm-hmm. also went through a similar phase where i thought hey you know uh, i just got out of a bad relationship mom can you find me a nice indian girl and that'll be Aww. easy and it'll just make <laughs> a lot more sense i said it i said it half jokingly and then she was like she basically gave me the most uh, Australian response ever, which was, "Oh fuck off, go find someone yourself." So <laughs> she's definitely she's definitely integrated. I hey? love that. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that. She, I would think she'd be so excited, like <laughs> finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for all. this. Oh, no, that's no, nice. No, no, no. She's uh, yeah. Look, my parents are very Westernized, if you want to put it yeah. that way. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but something I was thinking about. Is what we always talk about, particularly in the last few podcasts, which is that the older you get, the more you're incentivized to uh, find a partner based on rationality and, and using your mm. brain rather than just using your heart. And there's so much mm. you you can learn after 10 years of dating, particularly today in, the, in, in Australia, in the, in the middle classes, in an urban environment. And you know, you, you learn through these, you, you learn a lot of mistakes more, more often than not. You very rarely get it right the first go. Yeah. And it just actually makes it in a very simple way. We'll extrapolate from this, but it seems to make logical sense to allow uh, people who have had more experience and won't be tainted by highly emotional, mercurial feelings of love mm. to have a better gauge of who you would be suited for in a long-term partnership because whether the Western marriage is still based on love, the, the concept, it's a legally binding concept. And in many ways, it's a, it's a arguably close to a business relationship. Yeah. Uh, you're constantly yeah. having to uh, organize the way you, you know, you, you do tasks and, and think about the future and, you know, co- compromise as to who's doing what. And that's, in most general Western marriages, it's it's that's the process. It's not all just romance for the rest of your lives. So, mm-hmm. it, it, it's when you get past the 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 shock of it, just because it's so different, it actually makes a lot of logical sense to me. Um, it does, yeah. It makes more sense because it's like almost thinking, God, how idealistic are we? Not to say that I'm not doing this as well, uh, being engaged right now, but that we marry on love and emotion. And doesn't it make more sense when you really think about it to marry someone based on compatibility, um, like with your finances, your social, your class, like all these things? I can understand it. Um, so the thing I struggle with, though, is how much the parents, I understand, like, you know, I guess with cultures, parents and other cultures 
parents are much more respected and their views are really respected. And one of the things that I kept coming and hearing when I was doing research is when there's issues within the marriage, an arranged marriage, that they would involve the families or speak to the families about it and seek like counsel or whatever. And that was really, really confronting for me to hear. Like it was so surprising. Um, and, and that's what it means like that all the, all the family members are working to keeping them together, keeping the marriage successful, hashing out their issues. And also when the mothers are choosing um, the potential future husbands or wives, I thought I'm in the Indian matchmaking show on Netflix. It was so interesting to see their criteria. They kept saying, not too short, not too short, which is interesting because petite <laughs> girls are very like <laughs> fashionable. Yeah, and though. in Western countries, they're like, no, um, they will kept crossing women off being like, oh, she's only 5'1". No, not going to work. It has to be above 5'3 at minimum. Um, they wanted her educated, um, slim. They had all these like crazy, crazy mm. criteria. But then again, that's what we do subconsciously when we're swiping through Tinder anyway. It's the exact same thing. It's just your mother doing it instead. <laughs> if you really want to be uh, confronted, the one of the biggest factors people look for in a um, prospective mate in India is fairness. Yeah. So yeah, that came that's up a always lot. a big one. Like, are they fair? That is the first thing that a uh, mm. auntie will ask you when, when you tell them Sorry. either you're dating or someone else you know are dating. It's like, uh, how fair are they? And, yeah. you know, I, I get complimented so much when I go back to India. Like, well, oh my God, he's so fair. Like, as though, so it's, it, they sell whitening cream. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's a very yeah. different, yeah, it's, it's, it's very different. And uh, being dark, darker skin will, will be a huge hindrance for you in the, in the, you know, marriage market there, which mm. there's definitely a lot to be said about that. And I think it just comes, mm. it, historically, it comes from, the uh, higher castes being fairer because they weren't working in the sun. That's, I yeah, think, what it comes yeah, down to. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, that that is very, uh, that's probably quite confronting for a lot of people to, yeah. to hear, but uh, it's still very, it's still... Uh, so relevant even yeah, now. And, and yeah, and arguably, in, in you could make a very clear, uh, you, you could say in, in Western dating that statistically still exists when you look at those racial preferences on online dating it's it's white men and usually asian women and white women that are preferred the most so mm. not too different either i guess mm. at least it's out in the open there uh mm. but i think the real difference the fundamental difference is the collectivism versus the individualism so like you said you're not just marrying an individual you're marrying into a certain family mm. and it's a far more collectivist culture in fact western culture is um, abnormal in that sense it's highly individualistic yeah. having said that it wasn't that long ago when the families and the church would have had a lot to say uh, within a marriage and would help out a lot and mm, yeah. the extended family played a larger role and and in many um, sectors of uh, society that would still be the case it's if anything it's exclusively uh, middle upper middle class urban western uh, populations that have the most individualistic online dating focused love uh, centered dating and or marriage world yeah so you also just look at what western dating and marriage has become 
I would be very interested to to see statistics of what people's general opinion is. And I would almost certainly guess that it would be overwhelmingly negative. And you have mm -hmm. to then start to think, well, has the, has the, um, have we thrown the baby out with the bathwater in that there's a lot of negatives that come with that more organized collectivist view of marriage and matchmaking. But there's also a lot of negatives that are coming up now with uh, particularly when it moves towards an online dating, highly, arguably quite superficial, uh, you know, love feeling centered uh, way of finding someone. So the extremes of both end don't seem to be optimal. So I wonder if there's a way to integrate some of the benefits of arranged marriages whilst uh, still allowing for the freedom, particularly the, the, the gender equality that comes with um, Western dating and marriages and whether there's a, mm. you know, a, an ideal middle ground, that would be the way everyone across the world dates and marries in yeah. um, 30, 40, yeah. 50 years, who knows? What do you it's think? a good point to bring up the thing about um, the gender inequality uh, because that is, I think, one of the biggest pieces of information that kept coming back when I was watching people talk about arranged marriages and researching it was that it was very much based more so on the man's needs or wants or desires um, and less so on the woman. But I do think that actually there is a transition happening, especially now, or especially in arranged marriages and Western cultures where it's very much the women have equal say in what they want. And like you said before, it's not like you meet at the altar. They meet many potential candidates before they select one. It's not like you get to meet beforehand and that's it. Sometimes they meet five different people. Sometimes they're meeting 20 different people. Or a lot of the people in the show, um, on the Range Marriage show, have already met 20 plus people and just haven't found the one yet that they want to settle down with, which is kind of similar to how we work. Now I have a friend who had, um, she's Muslim and Arabic, and she had a basically the situation where she met someone through her family and she went on a date and when she went on that date both their families came and then they courted each other for like two months where they saw each other six times um and now they're happily married baby on the way all these things and they're so so in love but I, when i was seeing her go through it, I was mind blown at just how I'm like, but you're 26. Like your mom's taking you out. And this is in Sydney, like your mom's going and your whole family and your sibling and your dad and his family are going to the dinner the first time you meet. Like it was so shocking to me, but this, the, the foundation of, I guess, like their love as well as how much similar values they have. Mm. And her husband was saying, before I've met them and her husband and a couple of the other husbands were saying um, of similar backgrounds that they would date around a little bit, see some white girls, but they would never, ever settle down with a white girl <laughs> um, or an Australian <laughs> girl. So they could date one. Some of them had dated them for well, a year, two years, three with years. A, with a brown <laughs> Arab, that's the, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is a lot of merit in having similar cultures. Like I, I can't really go to the extent of being like I've dated interculturally or whatever, but I, I have dated two um, Greek boyfriends previously. And I genuinely really struggled with that. I'm, I'm trying to merge myself in that culture. 
um, with first of all being vegan <laughs> was really um, confronting to them. Um, but break, yeah. <laughs> but just like all the family events five times a week, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. And if I didn't, if I said no. I'd get texts from his mum being like, oh, I was disappointed you didn't come and that kind of pressure. And then also we would have a lot of clashes about um, how we would, I would raise my children and things like that. And sometimes the things they said, I was like, no, I would not do that. Absolutely not. That would not be a thing. Yeah. Um, and they would be upset about that. So, <laughs> I mean, coming back... Like what I said, if you look at uh, Western dating today, you see, all right, everyone has at least one story of a toxic ex, a terrible heart. Yeah. Uh, they're frustrated at online dating um, and they're frustrated at, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, how often people ghost, how often people seem self-centered and not, mm. there's, there's no sort of communal uh, standards that are, uh, pressuring people to act in a virtuous way and and as weird as it may seem that people's families accompany these two potential suitors on a date that would ameliorate a lot of the issues that uh western people are facing today which is mm. well one uh you know c consent when it comes to sex and things like that and mm. also just heartbreak and ghosting and disrespect and self-centered attitude that a lot of people take into dating having said that i i haven't been perfect myself but well with the self-centeredness uh but you know that there's just a lot of issues that would seemingly be fixed if you had a wiser group of people that know you intimately well mm. choosing your suitors for you and yeah. we all we all can say that who we went for when we were younger was almost certainly a mistake, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone who has yeah. been dating for at least five, six years would say, yeah, who I was attracted to when I was 18 was the perfect person for me. Absolutely well, some not. people can uh, say yeah, that, yeah, some high people. school sweethearts. That's rare. true, some people, <laughs> yeah. but I would, I would say the, the majority of people know. Yeah. And um, I, I wonder if, uh, I can't see it happening, of course, with the way the culture is now, but, uh, I, I, I wonder if um, particularly immigrants who have moved to uh, Western countries, whether they'll sort of have a kind of hybrid version of arranged slash love marriage and whether that might be optimal. Because how about this? Do you think your parents would have chosen someone like Adrian for you to date if your parents were choosing a potential mate for you? My you dad wouldn't, but my mom would have a, a thousand percent picked Adrian. Okay. Yeah, no I doubt mean, in my mind. <laughs> I think my parents would have actually, like Andrea and I have very, like we're very similar. I mean, we're actually from different cultural backgrounds, yeah. but um, in terms of like, we grew up in the same area and we had very sort of similar upbringings in that sense and both have a immigrant background. And yeah, there wasn't a, a huge amount of intense feelings of romance and love at the start, but it's by far been the most... Uh, the, the healthiest mm. and fulfilling relationship I've been in. Whereas many others, it was a bang of, uh, it was, it was it, at the start, it was just extremely intense and yeah, passionate and passionate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but very volatile. And mm. I would, I would tell my younger self, no, that person's not good for you. Why are you mm. dating? Like you're dating them because you're sexually attracted to them and that's it. And then that's mm. clouding your judgment about their behavior. And 
their traits, which aren't necessarily bad, but just are not suited mm. to you in any way, shape or form. So even now, if I was playing matchmaker to my 18 year old self, there were just so many mistakes that I wouldn't allow myself to make. Now, having said that, you learn from those mistakes and that's how you get wiser. But I, I read somewhere uh, something recently that said uh, people will adapt a narrative that best suits them and paints what they've been through in a positive light regardless yes. of whether objectively that experience was good for you. So yes. uh, you will you, we'll always tell ourselves, you know, it was so good that I experienced that toxic ex that I went through that period of dating because I learned from it and I became a stronger person. Whereas if you're actually mm -hmm. using objective measures, it might be, look, you compare people who have done that compared to people who maybe went through an, an arranged marriage or just were lucky and dated someone in their late teens, early 20s that they had a long-term successful pair bond with. And those people generally are, uh, have better emotional health and, and uh, mm -hmm. overall just more satisfied and also have less walls up and are less mm -hmm. cynical about dating and, and marriage yeah. in general. And, you know, as a result, uh, you can clearly make the argument that w we as individuals are not the best judges of who we should be paired with in a long-term monogamous relationship. And as a result, it makes rational sense that... A, a, a family or a, a tribe or a community should at least help influence that decision. Mm. Would you agree? I think so. I think it makes sense in some ways. I think it would depend on the respect and the relationship you have with your parents. Um, I don't know how my parents would possibly ever agree on a partner for me. <laughs> um, although I have to say Adrian's grown on my dad a lot. So uh, my dad loves him now. But I think, you know, when I first told him like, oh, I'm meeting this guy, he's he's like tattered head to toe and he's vegan and he's a landscaper. And all my, all the men in my family are all like very business marketing gurus kind of thing. He was like, hmm. Um, but Adrian is such a beautiful, gentle person. He's just really growing on him. They're like good mates now. But I think that what I can see is happening a lot in especially people that have immigrated to Western cultures, Australia, America, that have a cultural background where arranged marriages occur, that it's becoming quite trendy because at this age or, or later in their 30s, they're like, it's really, really hard to find someone and trust that they actually want to settle down. Like, what if you want to have a relationship that you can just progress to marriage within six months? Like, it's not really common in Australian culture to have that. So by having this kind of arranged marriage agreement, you actually get to still meet multiple people, but find someone to settle down with at a much uh, faster rate than probably without that. So I think that that would be, that would definitely be an appealing aspect, at least to me, especially, um, if I were ever in that situation, that would be the biggest appeal. Knowing someone is ready, he wants to commit, all these things, you don't have to wait a couple of years to find out. Um, and knowing that we have very similar backgrounds and families are all on board, it does take a lot of that kind of teething time out of it. But yeah, there's a lot of, there's obviously a lot of dangers to arranged yeah. marriage as well <laughs> yeah usually that sort of even the modern arranged marriages would come with a, uh, a significant responsibility to uphold the the roles and the traditions that are associated with that culture so you can't have both a lot of people will say that yeah. at, at least uh, i'm just i guess theoretically 
proposing some sort of merged hybrid of the the yeah. uh, best traits of both, but I mean that probably is. I feel like not the, there are either, some but... kind of like you know, there's apps. I think there is a specific app for like um. I know there's like a Jewish app. There's yeah. a Christian dating app. I'm sure there's one for like you know your cultural backgrounds and things like that. Something like that, which without a doubt, but has been interesting. Yeah, a lot of people might like the idea of that commitment and that uh, you know that that mm-hmm. both parties being on the same page as to the time frame of time frame of when that marriage will occur. But again, like there's a huge. You're going back to most likely what many modern Western couples would perceive as traditional roles, at least to a certain extent, mm. because uh, it would still probably be the the man would have a leadership role in the marriage and yeah. there'd be more emphasis on the woman having to do the yeah, traditionally traditional. uh, feminine yeah. duties. And mm. a lot of people wouldn't want that, but they'd like the idea of the the definitive commitment that's going to occur in six months. But... Yeah. wouldn't necessarily want to live up to some of those cultural behavioral codes that would also be expected of them. Having Very said that, true. there's uh, expectations in every man. That's another mm. f- potential flaw of modern Western relationships and um, marriages where, yes, again, you can argue that the, throwing the baby out with the bathwater in that like a lot of those roles and obligations were lopsided and not mm. equal in terms of the gender roles, but you need to when you go into a relationship and a marriage you need to have an idea of what your obligations and responsibilities are and and a Mm. lot of people would argue that that just doesn't occur in many um western dating scenarios where people are out for themselves what am i getting out of this what does this person give to me rather than uh, what 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 are my obligations in this in this pair bond and is there a way Mm. to make those equitable uh in a in a more modern progressive sense while while still uh maintaining uh a longer term relationship that maybe was more uh rationally thought out as opposed to emotionally thought out yeah i mean i gotta admit like even i think a little bit like that like when i think of my relationships i do think like what do i get out of this what is the benefit of me being in this relationship spending my life with this person i do think about that um, a lot and do you know what's interesting is one of the stats I saw was that you're in America or um, I think it was America but or in Western marriages you're five times more likely to get remarried three times than someone in an arranged marriage is to get divorced once so <laughs> I just thought that was really surprising about how much I guess commitment we have to relationship but it is really a good point you said about the expectations of, you know, if you want the aspect of an arranged marriage, you kind of have to take all of the aspects of that. And a lot of that is cultural. And what I thought was really interesting about this show on Netflix is that one of the women who was seeking a partner, she was a lawyer and the matchmaker was like, oh, (laughs) they don't like that. (laughs) The men don't like that. They don't like lawyers. Um, and she was really self-made and sufficient and she'd done really well for herself, but that wasn't something that was going to make it easier for her. That was going to be a hindrance. And the other thing that this woman asked for was that she said she wanted someone open-minded and the matchmaker was like, you don't get to have someone 
open-minded. You don't get to ask for that. But the other mothers are saying, must be taller than 5'3", must be pale, must be this, must be twice, you know, two degrees minimum, all these things. And that's okay, but it's not okay to ask for open-mindedness. <laughs> I, I don't know if that show was trying to, uh, you know, present certain ideological points as well because i i can definitely attest to the fact that the the parents of the woman in arranged marriages are also asking for a fair yeah. bit in the man they're often asking for you know doctor they do. Uh, yeah. lawyer he's also got to be tall he's also got to be fair same or tall, more fair economic and handsome. status yeah, yeah yeah the socioeconomic status is a big one but yeah. uh you know that sort of a uh person a, a self-made lawyer who wants an open-minded partner that that also struggle in um western dating as well i don't don't think that's just uh unique to the arranged marriage situation that seems to be a a struggle that a lot of women are facing today regardless of whether it's an arranged marriage or a uh, western marriage so Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just a a range that that is causing the hindrance there but if i remember correctly from that show she actually found a partner in the end didn't she like that I haven't watched the whole thing, so I don't know. I hope oh, so. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think she yeah. does in the end. Or there, there's a few where mm. there was one that she liked at the start, but then he was very non-committal. He just he kept saying, "Yeah, I'm showing up," and then he didn't. And he stood her up a few times. And again, oh. it doesn't actually sound that different to exactly. uh, Western dating. Yeah. All that seems to be the major difference is there's a matchmaker that is playing the role of Tinder, and, and arguably Tinder is essentially a matchmaker, any or Tinder and all the it other is. apps that yeah. they're ma- matchmaking you, but they're basing that matchmaking on an on a profit-driven algorithm, whereas yeah. uh, at least the matchmaking from some of these cultural institutions would be based on shared values and a sense yeah. of traditional wisdom. So I don't know when you speak about it rationally like this, it does seem like a, a, some more modern manifestation of arranged marriages actually seems to be ideal. Having said that, the practical reality is obviously very different. And I think, as we always mm. say, happy people tend to make for happy relationships. And so if you go in with a positive outlook to either of these uh, situations, you will at least increase your chances of, of being pleased. Um, and mm, if you're yeah. if you're cynical about it, then I don't think that's gonna gonna work either way. So yeah, yeah it's getting to the it's. Uh, it, it, I think I wonder what people will say uh, nowadays because I remember as a kid, you know, like everyone looked at thought even myself i thought of arranged marriages are so foreign and weird what people have no choice that's insane mm-hmm. like shouldn't you be making that decision but yeah. you know yeah. again like i come back to like what, what are the decisions we've all made in terms of dating tell me they were ideal <laughs> and and tell me yeah. your parents or at least someone with experience wouldn't have been able to make a better decision for you in the long term and and people again will say oh i learned from it but you know what has there been long-term emotional mm-hmm. damage there that you can maybe get, get stronger from but or could it just make you jaded and, and cynical um and that that's under the guise of strength you know who knows who knows yeah i mean there's pros and cons obviously to both sides and i think that it one of the beautiful and and you know maybe we take this too lightly around divorce and things like that but one of the lucky things that we have is that we can divorce without you know that level of judgment shame or even legality issues in other countries where it's almost near impossible to divorce someone without proper reason even domestic violence can can be sometimes not enough of a reason to allow a divorce um so i think that 
I do read, like, you know, when you read the advantages of uh, or research the advantages of arranged marriage, there are a lot. When you research the disadvantages, sometimes it is that you're stuck in a an abusive relationship that you can't leave. And that's where that stat comes from, that women are more likely to commit or attempt suicide than they are to instigate a divorce, which, um, you know, it's yeah. it's one of those risks. Um, and it's that you're putting your trust in parents, so you want to really bloody trust your parents. I don't know if you've seen um, the show or clips of this um, show called... Uh, it's, it's 90 Day Fiancé, but the other way, where the American goes to another country and there's one woman who's really in love. Well, she's in love with an Indian man, Sumit, Sumit or something. And she moves there um, to India. They've been together for 10 years, but the family does not accept her. So even though they're living together, they've been in a relationship for 10 years, they can't get married. And because they can't get married, she can't get a visa to live there. So she has to leave the country Every six months, she can't work. She can't do anything because the parents won't agree to the marriage, um, which usually, is just mind-blowing to me, but so standard in his country. Yeah. And, that one's and the whole time, he's trying to make her understand, like, this is just how it is here. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that, whether uh, there's a dissatisfaction among the family members or the extended family, and that can lead to yeah. a lot of pain. Yeah. Uh, I found some, look, we've, we've talked about the divorce rate, which is not necessarily the best factor because you should look at marriage satisfaction as well. And this mm. one um, article is saying there's no differences in satisfaction found yes. between uh, mm. love marriages and, and yes. uh, arranged marriages, which is important. And then it goes on to say the love experienced by Indian couples in arranged marriages appears to be even more robust than the love people experience <laughs> in love marriages because it's... It, I would guess it's because that romantic love is often fleeting and mm. you would develop a different sort of love in an arranged marriage, which would be based on mutual experience and shared goals. And it yeah. may be Respect. the sort of love you have for a good friend or even a family member mm. um, and, and not necessarily uh, romantic love, but that can develop as well with enough if you work yeah. on that enough. Um, yeah. Love in love marriages in India does exactly what it does in love marriages here. It starts high and declines fairly rapidly, but love in the arranged marriages they examined started out low and gradually increased, surpassing the love in the love marriage about five years out. Ten years into the marriage, the love was nearly twice as strong. So that's, although that's a 1980s study, so a, <laughs> a while ago there. Yeah, but, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. A lot to think about and, you know, I think it'd be very interesting to see how as India develops economically and, you know, there's, there's an emo huge emerging middle class there and it has a very uh, favorable population tree for any, for particularly among um, the developing nations. It's got a lot of young people compared to most of the developed world, which has a hell of a lot of old people and not that many young yeah. people. So mm -hmm. uh, the next 20 to 30 years will be interesting. If yeah. we're still doing this podcast in, a, in another generation, <laughs> we can look back and see what marriage is in India yeah. and what marriage may have become here in the in the West. Yeah, and exactly. It almost seems like it's at a precipice because it's, it can only get so much more individualistic. I think it's it's done there. So either mm. I think people just become 
extraordinarily atomized and, and more and more people will choose not to get married and, and maybe open marriages and polyamory and things like that will no longer be a niche occurrence already. You, you, you're, mm-hmm. you're starting to hear a bit more about it in mainstream media and things. Having said that, that's often uh, because people in, in media and the arts are not necessarily an accurate reflection of the general population. They're probably more likely to be middle, upper middle class and very progressive in their, particularly their sexual norms. Having said that, I, I, I know this is totally anecdotal, but in uh, all of my shows, there often seems to be thruples and polyamorous couples. I was going to say that like thruple that. that was there at your yeah. show was so... Because um, they came up onto Neil's stage and all three That's of them right. were involved in different skits and things. It was so yeah. funny. Not their relationship was funny, but just... Um, that they kept getting picked up. It was, yeah, it really interesting. Um, and I love how open they were about it. And they, um, because someone asked them, like, which one of you's third wheeling? And he was like, actually, we're all dating. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. And they all came in. He was wearing like a suit and they were wearing like these classy dresses, like floor length, sexy. And it was just so like confronting in an exciting way. <laughs> I loved it. That was, yeah, that was a yeah, good and if that's happening in in Newcastle, <laughs> and that was well, in Newcastle, I'm sure in Sydney and Melbourne, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, super people are definitely yeah exploring different. They're not satisfied with what Western dating and marriage has become. So yeah, I think that it's important to state. And we should have said this at the start. You kind of did, but it's important to state because I know people are going to come at us that when we're talking about these advantages um, of arranged marriages, we're talking about adult arranged marriages. And we're talking, as Neil said, about upper and middle class um, marriages as well. We're not talking about, you know, people that come from, when we're talking about the positives, we're not talking about teenage marriage, obviously, or children's marriage, which like you said, is a massive stat. 48%, what is it? 48% of um girls in arranged marriages or women in arranged marriages are underage 14 million girls get married before they turn 18 that's across the world yeah it was Uh, in the developing world one out of nine girls are married before they reach the age of 15 now again a lot of this i i mean we're looking at it from a western lens i'm not i I think you can easily make an objective moral argument there about why that's inappropriate but uh in, in in countries where there just aren't opportunities full stop regardless of whether there's educational opportunities for women there's probably not even educational opportunities for many men there there's not even there's no universities everyone has to work on in some kind of labor situation uh yeah you could you could make the argument maybe that is the that that is the way the culture has formed to best uh navigate the circumstances having said that that's obviously another podcast or something like that yeah it's it's something that really needs to be unpacked in depth because a lot of when i read about that um and i've learned about that it's that you know they they have no opportunity for education and that basically all of them said that their first sexual experience was forced upon them and it's actually still you wouldn't believe it it happens in australia and it's way more common than we think one of my previous jobs i actually worked at a house on the north shore um in sydney which is quite like a prestigious area um that housed 
specifically girls that have escaped from arranged marriages. And when I went to work there, I couldn't believe like how many girls there were and that it was that prevalent in Sydney and the North Shore. Like it was blowing my mind. Like I knew what happened, but I didn't think that it would ever be the type of opportunity that, um, you know, I would come across that in my work. But it was, yeah, really shocking and obviously really, really devastating and, and sad. And, and then that's the other thing I was going to say it really was not that long ago at all that it wasn't uncommon for a 16-year-old to be married yeah. in in Australia. Uh, so mm. it's not really something that we've, we're so far away from at all. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's a good point to make. Um, <laughs> sorry, Shorty just fell off the table. So clumsy. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we've explored that significantly enough for a for a 50 minute podcast um do you have any concluding remarks on this one yeah i mean i think that we we did focus a lot on the positives and i I think that it's good to bring light to that because everyone knows the the negative side everyone knows the detriments of it and everyone that's why people are so confronted by the idea of arranged marriage so i think that that was a good purpose of this podcast to discuss that i don't want people to think analyze from this podcast that we're so pro arranged marriage because obviously there is a lot of risk and danger that comes with it it's just interesting to explore it and the other thing I want to say is I'm sorry I've been so out of breath this whole podcast every time I talk because the baby is kicking my ribs this whole time and it's like every time I had to take a breath in did not notice at all you'll listen to it back and you'll be like I can see it now Well, I'm sure people can. So sorry. Yeah, eight months in, so. <laughs> well, by this, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. No, totally. <laughs> what about totally you? Fine. Any uh, final remarks? No, you make a good point there. Yeah, it's easy to uh, look at the positives when you've only ever experienced Western dating. So that's what the purpose of this podcast was, I guess, just sort of yeah. steel manning some of the potential. Uh, positives of the range marriage juxtaposed against what western dating has become and yeah this is not a podcast in favor of it by any means it's just a sort of loose discussion about it and as you say a lot of people would probably just have a very knee-jerk reaction to the concept of it so i think it's just good to try and have an objective lens and and look at it uh, from a different perspective so i'm sure there'll be a plethora of comments about this one so let us know what (laughs) you think and uh if you have any other ideas about subtopics from this topic that we could explore. And as always, neilcolhatka.com slash podcast if you want to send in a question, a topic, or a shout-out, comedyuntamed.com if you want to come see myself and a collection of other great comedians live. And And we will see you next time. See you next week.